link, learn, and connect with some of the best, most articulate, and practical professionals in the field of speech-language pathology. Do you work with school-aged children? You're in the right place to gather new information and great ideas for you and your therapy kids. Over the past two years, teletherapy or doing therapy online has become very familiar to most speech-language pathologists, and I've found that some SLPs love doing online therapy. Others absolutely don't, and there's always reasons why. Maybe it's the age or disorder of their clients or behaviors, or maybe it's the evaluation process or just the platform. Now, my guest today addresses many of those concerns and those reasons. Hope it's helpful. Here we go. Okay. Ooh. All right. Welcome, everybody. And before we get started, I would like to mention disclosures. Regarding financial disclosures, Kristen Martinez does receive an honorarium for this podcast from speechtherapypd.com. And she is also an employee and shareholder with Presence Learning. I also receive an honorarium for the speech link, and I'm also a presenter for the speechtherapypd.com, and I receive royalty payments, and I own Speech Dynamics. Regarding non-financial disclosures, Kristen is a member of SIG 1, 16, and 18. I have no non-financial disclosures to report, so there we go. (laughs) All right, I would like to personally welcome you this evening to a really special speech link. I consider Kristen to be the go-to person for teletherapy. We saw one another almost exactly two years ago here on the speech link. We'll probably get into that just a little bit. Great to, to see her again here, but I would like to welcome you though. As you know that the speech link is sponsored by speechtherapypd.com. Warm welcome to you to our Therapy Essentials for Teletherapy Services. Just so you know, I am Char Beauchart, your speech-language pathologist host here on the SpeechLink, and my goal is to connect and to link us with outstanding professionals in our field and where they bring their knowledge and their experience to light so that all of us can apply it and improve what we do and, and help our clients. And to help us do that today is Kristen Martinez, M-A-C-C-C, S-L-P. Kristen received her master's in speech language and hearing sciences from the University of Colorado at Boulder and has been a speech language pathologist for over 20 years. She provided speech language services to children in her local school district and in private practice before starting as a teletherapist with Presence Learning in 2013. Kristen has supported teletherapy services for hundreds of school districts, and has presented on the topic of teletherapy nationwide, and currently serves as the clinical director for Presence Learning. So there you go. She is an expert. I'm so happy that you're here. I have lots of questions to ask you. Welcome to the speech link, Kristen. Thank you so much, Char. It's really nice to be here. So nice to see you again. I can't, as we were talking, I can't believe it's been two years, but I know. Very happy to be back. (laughs) January 30, 2020. Yes. Yeah. That was just at the beginning of, Mm -hmm. you know, when the dam broke and, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and everybody was, was rushing for, you know, how to do online therapy and from therapists to kids to parents. And oh my, there was, that was such a, uh, kind of a, a crazy time yes. um, during those first few months. Mm-hmm. Also, I recall that in March 2020, you and several other people were on the Speech Therapy PD boot camp for teletherapy. Yes. Remember yes, that? I do. Yeah, that was that was an amazing yeah. event. Our friend on who's helping us moderating here today, and <laughs> there was so much work involved to get that put together as quickly as possible because I know we our colleagues were so many of them were just very unsure of how to move forward, and so I was really happy to be part of that event. It was amazing. It was. It was a really amazing event. As I recall, it was about. At least five hours long. Uh, I think it was yeah. seven or eight. Was it, yeah. was it, it was, that long? Mm-hmm, seven or eight? I think so. Oh my yeah. gosh. Really? Yeah, they, had a, they had a good series of people and yeah. It oh was, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it's still <laughs> available at Speech Therapy PD for people I to, think so. yeah, to pull yeah. up and to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I watched most of it and I heard afterwards and 
and I think this is accurate, that there were at least anywhere from 30,000 to 40,000 attendees. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember hearing that the portion, because I kicked it off the first couple of hours, and I think there was somewhere around 16,000 logged in during that two hours, but the total registration, I think, was between 30 and 40,000. So That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, did we break Zoom? (laughs) You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't think there's, I mean, ASHA only gets, what, 13,000 to 15,000 attendees at their ASHA convention. conference. I know. Well, that that was my first thought. I was like, there, there are this many of us. I, guess I know. There are, obviously, but there's I a lot know. of people. Just amazing. Just amazing. And, you know, speech therapy PD, I think it kind of put them on the map, which is a good thing. I know that they've just continued to grow and to add lots mm-hmm. of other really practical information on their website. Yes. So, yeah. Yep. And you were part of it. You were a part of it. Well, I'm very proud to be part to partner with Speech Therapy PD whenever yeah. I can. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, well, great, 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 excellent. Well, I, you know, to start off here, you know what? I don't think I even asked you this two years ago, but so you've been involved in online therapy since 2013. What preceded that? Because it really wasn't popular or it wasn't, I don't even know if I even knew that there was such a thing as doing speech language therapy online. What was sort of initiated you into that or what got you started into looking at that field? Yeah, it's always interesting to hear how people kind of made these some kind of changes or shifts in their careers. I, as you read in my bio, I was a school-based SLP here in my local school district in Colorado and doing some private practice. It's a great district here where I am. I was very fortunate, had a nice mix of students and locations where I worked. And so there certainly was no trying to get away from from my school district by any means. Mm -hmm. There was some circumstances in my family where I did need to take a leave of absence for a bit and I've done some editing work in my past. So I was doing some sort of odd just work that I could do from home and be really flexible. And Presence Learning called me. I'm not even sure how I ended up on their <laughs> on the list somehow, but I must have clicked on something at some point. Because oh I yeah, I, I knew zero people doing teletherapy in 2013. I okay. knew nothing, really nothing about it. So yeah. I wish I could say I had researched everything very well and made an informed decision. But at the time, I got information when the recruiter called me and they had a couple of Colorado locations and I had a Colorado license. So they were looking to cover schools that were about three hours away from where I live. Okay. And it was, you know, I could start out, I could do about 10 hours a week, which fit with still needing to kind of support my, some things with my family at the time. So I signed up and started. And I tell you about three, four weeks into starting therapy online, I was just hooked and I loved it. And I, you know, and I realized that, you know, I think I had been feeling some burnout, even though I really did work in a great district, just overall had been doing it for a while, was feeling some burnout. And I think feeling, questioning how my effectiveness as an SLP and wondering, was I really helping my kids and, you know, doing what I had intended to do and kind of all those things. I know we all go through. through. (laughs) I know. And, but, you know, I really kind of stepped away and doing the, into teletherapy, I realized how much more focused my time and energy was on just being a speech language pathologist. Hmm. For anyone who has worked in the schools, you get pulled into a lot of different things that are not about being an SLP, but just part of being in the school community. (laughs) So doing all kinds of duties and going to trainings because, you know, I was classified as a teacher in my district kind of in a similar way. So I would end up getting pulled into trainings that really weren't terribly relevant, Mm -hmm. but would take, you know, eight hours. And I think we've just all experienced that, not even just in the schools, I think in other physical settings where it's kind of all hands on deck. And so you get pulled into committees and trainings and all these other mm-hmm. things. And at the time when I was in it, I didn't realize it. We all just want to help and we say yes and we go, you know, we do what we need to do. But when I started as a teletherapist, I suddenly was only doing therapy and writing IEPs and completing evaluations and attending IEP meetings and talking to parents and teachers and that was it. Like I was doing my job that I was trained to do. So that was really impactful for me. I realized that 
number one, I was effective. I, you know, hadn't chosen the wrong career. I was doing, I, I still love, I loved my job and the kids responded and they were making progress and they were engaged. So yeah, it just turned out to be a really good change for me at the time. And I stuck with it. So here well, we are well, good. <laughs> several years later. Good, yeah. good for you. Well, that's a good testimonial. It almost makes me want to run out and, you know, <laughs> grab some kids and <laughs> do some teletherapy. Yeah, very inspirational. I would also like to know, because it has been two years, and there has been a lot of water under the dam, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that, you know, most people, if they were asked to do online therapy, they did it in some manner right. or other. And that everybody has just sort of learned, you know, right, and mm -hmm. flowed along. Can you kind of catch me up with what is different now? What happened over the past two years? And where are we now in regards to teletherapy? It's been very interesting. Of course, in the very beginning, those of us who have been in the field of teletherapy really felt for all of our colleagues who were just thrown into it overnight. You know, it's a very different thing to make a decision to move to a different modality, get training, be part of an organization where that's what they do. And so you have tools and resources as opposed to just suddenly, well, next on Monday, you're going to start doing the same thing you were doing in person, but now you have to figure out how to do it, you know, through Zoom or whatever. Yeah. And so I was very grateful for organizations like Speech Therapy PD that did do everything they could to provide resources and support. So since that time, I mean, I would say a very high percentage of our colleagues have experienced teletherapy to some extent, especially school-based. Most schools, most districts closed down at least for some period of time, you know, and then some obviously still are. So there's been exposure, but what has been interesting, and it was actually one of my fears when this kind of all started, just mm. specifically in terms of teletherapy and people's exposure to it, is that, you know, exposure doesn't necessarily mean a good experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that somebody had the support they needed, had the tools they needed, and had a good experience with it. So, mm. so we've seen some of that. We're seeing, you know, some people loved it. Some people did have a good experience. Some people, you know, we heard from them and they kind of got through it, but they're back to doing what they were doing before. But others really had a negative experience. It, they struggled. They, you know, as SLPs, they struggled to figure out how to connect with kids, how to find resources, how to use those resources in an effective way online, how to manage behaviors and attention when they had kids in their home setting. And, you know, it's complex and mm -hmm. added on top of just all the other things going on with kids and families. So, you know, now I feel that we're really trying to, for anyone who is still interested maybe in teletherapy, just assuring that there is a better way, like there is a way that can be a really positive experience, that there are a lot of people out there. There are people in my organization who have this tremendous experience and want to help. And there are tools and resources and things that can make it a very different experience than what they may have been through just because they had to find a way and didn't really know what to do. So we're certainly seeing a continuation in some locations. Some school districts have been back and forth. Some have moved to kind of a hybrid model where they just expect that at any given time, they may have to move to a therapy for a period. And so, you know, I, I do believe that a lot of school districts are starting to build in the resources into their ongoing model, just so that they're not caught the way they were in 2020. Mm -hmm. Can you just sort of delineate some of those issues that people went through? What ended up being their needs? So was it the confidentiality piece? Was it the how to transition the therapy that they typically do in a whole different medium? Or how to mm -hmm. can all of that and come up with something else? Maybe the evaluations were kind of through a kink in the works. Like specifically, what were or are things that therapists have difficulty with? And not so much to go on the negative, but I'm thinking there's probably people that think that maybe they are the only ones that have those issues. Right. right. And I'm sure they aren't. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you did a great job of hitting on a lot of the biggies. (laughs) Those are, I would say, all those areas. Again, being a teletherapist myself and being part of a company that does this every day and has for over a decade, the components that support effective teletherapy are, you know, appropriate training, not training somebody to be a speech language pathologist, but training them on how to transition their skills into an online environment, having the platform, the tool. And so that was a struggle for a lot of people. That's something I'll get into as we talk in our therapy essentials, but there's great business platforms. We're using one right now that are amazing tools for video conferencing, but video conferencing is not therapy delivery and it's very different. And a lot of SLPs were having to reach outside to bring in, figure out how to use multiple tools to create a therapy session. Uh, um, and that was a lot. Yeah, you know, I know that people were feeling like they were having to rebuild their therapy materials and having to figure out how to come up with things that were going to be engaging. So that, so that's a big piece, the platform, the materials, the tools that were just not available to, I would say most SLPs, like it was really a challenge the confidentiality, I think, is can be a piece. Most platforms out there do have, districts should not have been considering a platform that wasn't HIPAA and FERPA compliant. So for the most part, I believe, hopefully that was an okay and that students were safe in that regard. You mentioned evaluations. That was a big one. Our platform, as I'll talk about, we we have embedded assessments. And so they're built into the platform. It's part of what is offered So trying to figure out how to deliver an effective assessment Mm -hmm. and especially not knowing what the guidance is, what the publishers say. So, you know, I know that the publishers themselves, like Pearson and ProEd, were doing a lot of work to try to teach and help support clinicians during that time. But some school districts, especially in that first spring, just stopped doing evaluations. They just made the decision to stop. So the following fall, of course you had a lot of a big backlog. You had kids who had not had initials, they had not had their triennials. And so then there was a challenge of just the volume of trying to get kids caught up and, (sighs) you know, of course, being out of compliance. And there were, you know, states levied different waivers and extensions at the time. But yeah, so there was, there was just a lot of stress to go around and a lot of challenges for SLPs. And then one of the really difficult things, and this is something that is, probably not what you first think of in teletherapy, but having the appropriate support on the student side, on the client side in person is crucial. And that is part of any, no matter what platform you're using, that's part of teletherapy. Because if you have a student who is nonverbal, can't physically access a computer mouse, or has significant behavior issues and, you know, is going to throw the desktop or throw the laptop computer or so many things we know working in our field that can make it challenging. And so in the school settings, we typically work with someone like a paraprofessional who is in the room, at least keeping an eye on things. A lot of kids are very independent. A lot of students really are. They're computer digital natives, so they know more than I do about how to like problem solve. <laughs> Sometimes and get that's things. true. Yeah. It is. Um, but there are individuals who do have needs that where they would need somebody one-on-one sitting next to them in order for them to really engage in a meaningful way. We were talking about kids at home in the full spectrum of circumstances where, you know, if you were lucky, you had a parent at home who was able to sit down with their child during their speech therapy session, Mm -hmm. or at least be in the room to kind of keep an eye on things. But in some cases, you have kids who were home alone. They didn't have that. Maybe it was siblings who were. And so as the SLPs, first of all, trying to do teletherapy for the first time ever, and then not have that level of support is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something that, you know, we always educate on and talk about and say these, you know, this is kind of the home environment. We actually developed a home environment survey, kind of a checklist you could go through as you were implementing Hmm. therapy in a home setting and different things you'd want to think about, maybe talk to the parents about as far as like placement of the computer, noise in the background, you know, just doing the best you could knowing that it's not going to be a perfect circumstance, but trying to make it as efficacious as possible in the moment. 
Right. But not everybody had that information and they had to sort of figure that out as they went on. But sometimes it took a long time to get to a place of feeling comfortable with certain students. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was new for everybody. I would think that it would take some setup to sort of set it up like, I mean, over and above just the schedule, but who is going to be there? What are they going to be sitting in? Are they going to be, you know, halfway lying down? And and if you're doing right. a speech and they're, you know, their whole body mm-hmm. is not in alignment, which is what right. you usually shoot for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and the kid's yeah. not even looking at the camera and it can be just kind of a crazy thing. Also, and I know that especially when people are in the schools, that they may have two or three kids on at one time, or maybe they are doing You know, maybe they have a child that is there at school with them, but they've got two other kids that are online. I mean, that is like just crazy, crazy time. It is. And we certainly conduct group therapy sessions all the time in the platform. But again, each student is set up individually. They have the supports in place. One of the factors that came into play during school closures when students were joining from their individual homes is privacy of students. If they're logging in and their family and siblings and other people are behind them when there's other kids in a group. And so that was something school districts are grappling with is how do we manage that? Do we just offer it to parents to opt out of group therapy sessions if they're not comfortable with that? You know, so there were a lot of complications and we, you know, we helped, we partnered with our school districts, of course, we've always partnered with and tried to help support some of those conversations and figuring out some of those pieces. But okay. yeah, it was, Good. it was complicated. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so did you have school districts contacting you to help oh, yes. them through that? <laughs> to put up mildly? We did. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, of course, presence learning's traditional model for anyone who's not familiar is that we provide direct therapy services. So speech and OT and psychoeducational evaluations, counseling. So we contract with therapists and then we contract directly with school districts and we provide the full scope of services. So that's how I started with presence learning and that's what we had been doing for a decade. But one of the amazing pieces about working with presence learning is that we had our own platform. We had this tool that our product and engineering team had been developing for this last decade And it was specifically built for therapy. So we'd been using that. Our therapists have been using that for years. We had never made it available outside of our clinician network. But of course, when school closures hit, when everything shut down in March 2020, we realized that we really did have a resource that we could make available outside of our direct therapy services. So so that is when we created Therapy Essentials. It was our platform, but then also we developed training related to not only just working in our platform, but again, that transition of skills, how to translate into that online environment. You know, another really tremendous resource that we offer our clinicians, but also through the platform is our tech support team. We have an awesome team and they're available during all school hours. We have bilingual team members and I mean, you can call and email them, but you can also chat them directly in the therapy room. So, Hmm. you know, I can be mid-session and if something shuts down, something freezes, I can just chat them. They'll pop in and they're just amazing. They're so, they're so fast and they're so experienced that they usually resolve it very quickly. Um, But it's also available on the student side too, or the client side. So if they're having issues, they can chat them. So, you know, that is, yeah, so it really is, takes that stress off of being an SLP if you don't feel techie and you don't have to get on a 1-800 line. And the whole purpose is to keep therapy moving. So, you know, having to cancel a session, have missed those minutes. We did have a lot of school districts and other institutions. We heard from universities, graduate programs. They had graduate students who needed their clinical hours and they were trying to figure out what to do and other, you know private clinics and individuals. So we did, we had a flood and that was, yeah, that's when our therapy essentials program was created and it's been going since that time. Wow. Wow. Well, good for you. (laughs) You were, you were there at the opportune time and you had your platform pretty much put together. I'm sounds like. So the platform, our therapists have been using it for years. So 
there were some things that we had to, I speak as if I did this, I did nothing. My (laughs) product and engineering team (laughs) had to, um, you know, one of the features of our platform for our therapists is that they manage their caseload within it. So we have their student list is in there, IEPs. So that piece we had to pull out to make sure that there would not potentially be some compromise of student information as we share the platform out. Mm-hmm. So that was a piece that they worked very hard to separate out, at least in the first iteration of the platform that we made available externally. Okay. But you know, having access still to therapy activities, assessments, all of the embedded assessments were available and we trained on how to provide, do those online evaluations. Yeah. So we certainly not wishing that, you know, it was the circumstances were what they were, but we were grateful that we could help, that we had a resource that we could offer because there was, there was significant need and continues to be. Yes. Talk to me about the evaluation piece Mm -hmm. because that's very credible, valid. So did you work with ProEd or any of those guys or or how did you come up with all of that to to make sure that that the online piece was going to be beneficial and accurate? We had embedded digital versions of these assessments when I started in 2013. So we've been partnering with these publishers for quite a while. And they provide digital versions of the visual stimuli. And so it's it's hard to kind of talk through without it's you know, it's yeah. it's great to have like be in the platform and the be able to show people. Aid. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's just having the embedded visual stimuli, it means that and we also have multiple camera options. You can have a second camera plugged in if you need to show something on the desktop, okay. which is really important for OT evaluations for psychoeducational assessments like Woodcock Johnson, where there's, you know, a writing component or, you know, block designs and things like that. So we worked with the publishers to have those versions of their assessments. And then we did on the psychoeducational side, there was some research done and we had an independent researcher and especially for a while, um, we were the exclusive teletherapy company to administer the Woodcock Johnson. And so that was a big piece in the beginning but then we do really have the full scope of speech language assessments from, you know, we have Castle and Self and Golden Fristo and Arizona and the whole whole list. And so the features in our platform, it allows that I'm never holding something up to the camera. So I'm never blocking my view of the students. So I'm always viewing, I can see their nonverbals. I can see how they're producing sounds. I can move them into Jumbotron so that I'm seeing them really large or I can be large. So if I'm demonstrating, so that's very easy to toggle between those kinds of modes. Hmm. We have overlays, instruction overlays. So if the SLP once I can pull up the prompts and the cues just in front of me. So I'm not looking down at my paper protocol, but I can maintain, you know, being looking forward and not lose that visual of my student at the same time. And then if it's a nonverbal response, our platform allows when the student uses the mouse, you can see, you get a little radius. You can see exactly what they're pointing to. You can see what they click on. If it's, you know, concepts and following directions, you can see what order they're pointing to things. So, you know, a lot of pieces, a lot of thought and time and tools put toward being able to deliver these evaluations so that you are getting the results that you want. And the publisher's What they have put forth to us is that they have done several equivalency studies. So they have done several studies that show that the online administration is equivalent to in-person for many assessments. I don't believe there are plans to do full-scale normative validation studies on tests that were created in the first place to be in-person. But I do know that there are evaluations that are being created in the online world, and they will be purely validated for online administration. So Hmm. interesting. It is. Yeah. And I will say having given, you know, hundreds and hundreds of online evaluations myself over the years, I never felt that I was getting anything but the same information that I got when I was there in person and, you know, was able to make those determinations. So good to know. Good to know. Great. Okay. Well, interesting. Good, good, good. We have Therapy Essentials. It's a very comprehensive platform. First of all, is it divided into different ages 
or how is it organized? Is it, I mean, like, oh, here's, here's a platform for vocabulary. Here's a platform for whatever, or here's, you know, a platform for three-year-old, you know, kids. Mm -hmm. Here's one for junior high. Are there different therapy essentials? How is it organized? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So when I say platform, our platform is our therapy room. It's what you log into as a therapist. It's what the child logs into. And for users, the platform includes their therapy room and then a library of tools, all of the whiteboard tools, rewards, animations, videos. And you can also, through that platform, use screen share, site share, so I can co-browse with other web-based activities because, of course, there's so much out there. So there's some just tremendous web-based programs out there. So you can bring that into the platform if there's something else you want to use. Okay. Our services have been in the K-12 setting really early in intervention through 12th grade. So it was built more for pediatric age groups, depending on what you're doing. So in terms of the materials themselves, there are materials in the library appropriate for different age groups, different goal areas. Okay. So it's one platform. Okay. Like it's the same platform, but there are some differences in terms of what the therapist will have access to in the library, depending on the type of therapist they are, whether SLP, OT, psych. And really the differentiator is the assessments in that piece because I as an SLP cannot administer the Woodcock-Johnson. And so that's something that would be shut off to me. I can't go in and start giving the Woodcock-Johnson because it's in my platform. So there has to be that licensure access. But as far as therapy materials, it's really all there for any therapist and you pick and choose. And so I can create therapy cues and I go into the library and I search for content or there's a lot of interactive games and customizable games. And so I can create these things and then save them to my cues. And those cues I kind of think of as like my bookshelves when I was in my in-person office. So I can organize them any way I'd like. I can move things around. I can have cues that are just my assessments. And so every therapist individualizes their therapy room based on their caseload, the type of therapy they're delivering. And as far as the therapy essentials, There's some different, I guess, packages, you would call it, depending on whether it's a school district contracting with the platform with Therapy Essentials, an individual in private practice, or maybe an agency or a university. So there's some different options depending on the need. Interesting. Okay. So being a typical therapist, you're going to have a kindergartner and you're going to have, you know, a few first graders and you're going to have some kid that has some phonological issues, and then you're going to have some sixth grader that, you know, that has a major language issue, and you're going to have some cognitive delayed kids and some kids that are disfluent. And do you have access to many different types of therapy options like that that would cover most of those? So we do. I mean, we don't guarantee that there's 200 items for every, you know, for working with fluency, or our activities are a combination of a community library, things that have been shared by therapists. You know, if it's something they're able to share, they can share it. And also some curated materials, things that we have selected or we have purchased or we have partnered with a publisher and brought in specific materials. And so that section in particular is really growing a lot. And we also have internal content creators. So we have just really talented I do not happen to be one of them, but there are a lot of a lot of SLPs out there who are yeah. incredible content creators, yeah. and we're lucky enough to have some of them working with us. And so we have a program where therapists who contract with us can create materials, and we will purchase material from our therapists if you know they want to do that. Or wow. so there's lots of different ways we're trying to expand, always expand kind of that curated section of the library, mm-hmm. and always you know reaching out to our therapists and saying you know. What do you still need? What is out there? But that is content that is available in Therapy Essentials to users of the platform. So like I said, if you you do, for most people have a a varied caseload. And so you can search for those materials and you can also upload your own. So I can add my own activities. I can scan and upload worksheets or game boards. 
I can pull in YouTube videos that are relevant. We make it as flexible as possible for therapists because everybody likes to work differently and has different caseloads and different needs for their students. So we really do try to make it something that can be very flexible and just, and also engaging, you know, just something that's going to be engaging, you know, fun for the therapist, but of course, fun for the kids too. Right. And it really is. We have such a great team that creates animations and rewards and all kinds of wonderful things that go across the screen and help, you know, really capture (laughs) kids' attention. And yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay, good, good. As a therapist, then, you know, I would have access to this platform. Do you have trainers or are there training videos? I mean, it sounds like there's a pretty good learning curve here before I jump in and actually start applying and, and doing therapy. Like, do you take a week, you know, to sort of investigate and try it out or maybe a couple hours? I mean, how does that work? So when we first launched Therapy Essentials two years ago, almost two years ago in March, we knew that a really important piece was going to be the training. And so alongside putting out this platform, we also developed a training program that was broken down by discipline. That's how I spent many hours that summer is training. We were doing a lot of hours of live training. We also had an asynchronous training piece that was just about the tools and how to actually function in our platform and use you know this tool, that tool. But we went and we also offered office hours. So at any point during the school year, if an SLP or other clinician hit a roadblock with a student and wanted to just jump into an office hours and talk with one of us about just kind of brainstorming and how would you address this goal area or this type of student, we offered that as well. Nice. So we had thousands of clinicians of SLPs, OTs, school psychs come through those trainings in that 2021 20, school year. Yeah. So of course, this school year, a lot of people are back in person. And so the volume of need is reduced, but there's still the need for support. So the other thing we learned is that, of course, people are busy and some of them felt like the live training didn't fit into their schedule and they wanted something that was just on demand. So that's something that we have developed is on-demand versions of the live trainings. And so mm-hmm. so there's options. People can really do both. There's still the asynchronous training that everybody gets as part of the therapy essentials where you know you log in, you go through some modules, you learn how to use the platform. But for people who want to go beyond that and they do want to learn from an SLP, learn from an OT, learn from a school psych about how to deliver services online and how to deliver evaluations online, then there are those on-demand versions. And we also still offer live office hours so people can drop in and ask questions. So that's a very important piece. You know, I we don't want people out there frustrated having access to this platform and feeling like, now what? Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what to do and not taking advantage because there's a lot of, there's just so much cool stuff in there. We really want people to make sure they know about it. So that's right in line with the platform is offering the supports. Yes. And then of course our tech support is there too. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's a good yes. thing. That's a that's really good I thing. Say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So the training, and then there's just a learning curve of doing it over time and just kind of figuring out what's there and how to utilize it and so on, being able to personalize. It's one thing to to be familiar with the platform and what's available. It's another one on mm-hmm. how to actually apply it, I would yeah. think. I really think that most therapists who did, you know, that we interacted with, who did come to the training, who did have the platform, I think we're surprised at how how well it worked and how much they liked it and how well the kids did. And so it really doesn't necessarily take a long time. I think once there's kind of that basic understanding of, you know, there's these components that need to be in place, but when you have those, you're really set up for success and you're still doing your job. You know, all of that experience that doesn't, you know, that's what I told therapists over and over again, as I was running trainings is you are not relearning how to be an SLP, really. You're not. You know what you're doing. These are, you know, you've been doing this for years and years. You know how to connect with kids. It's just, it's a little, it's a translation, you know, and that's where we're here to help is to talk you through maybe how something might be a little bit modified or 
how to think through a certain type of therapy that you used to do. Cause there's some people who feel, you know, I would hear I'm so hands-on. I have to like get in my kids' mouths and do all these things. And yeah. So, so <laughs> I can yeah. And some of it is, yeah. And some of it's the conversation of, well, sometimes you do step back and think about, you know, you realize when you can't do something a certain way that you've done a long time, you learn something different and we expand and we add tools to our toolkit. And that's really by and large the experience that most of the therapists had. We had the pleasure of working with and being able to train and support. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there is one thing that's true with most therapists is that they're, that we're all flexible. We're flexible and we figure it out and we mm-hmm. have the kids' best interest at heart and, you know, maybe we can't be there right across from them. And so you try and do what's what's second best to help them. So, yeah, yeah, you just figure it out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other issues I'm wondering about is the documentation and data keeping. Is there mm-hmm. something built in with all of that or what does that usually look like? So for our therapists who contract with us, that is a feature in the platform that they have. So like I said, that's part of that embedded case management, student management is that they can pull metrics, they can into the therapy room, they can track data in real time. There's a little widget where you can check off, get a percentage, and then that ties into their therapy notes. So that's fully embedded for our clinicians. That piece had to be kind of extracted when we pivoted quickly to make the platform available. However, at some point, there will be that functionality built back in for anyone using our platform. So, you know, that was high on the list and something that we've talked about is note taking features, being able to do that right there in the platform and making that available to anyone using the platform. So I'm not sure I won't quote the timeline. I don't want to get in trouble with my product team, but I do know that there's been, (laughs) yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about it. A lot of, you know, there's so many things, of course, different directions people want to go. And one of the directions that our team is really excited about is making some changes to the platform, some improvements, some edits that will, you know, really make it a tool that actually can be used whether you're working in person with your students side by side or you're doing teletherapy, that it would be a tool that would be useful for an SLP in either setting and that really being able to kind of seamlessly go from one to another, because I think that's really the future where we're going is you know, being able to be flexible, be able to provide hybrid services. And so, you know, we're really excited to think about how we can support that and what we can do in terms of creating a tool that's usable and really something that makes it easier for us to do our jobs as SLPs. So you're talking about sitting there at the therapy table, you know, at Jones Elementary School, Mm -hmm. and you have three or four kids sitting there and you're working on the platform. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it, therapists all the time bring their iPads around and have kids completing activities on iPads, engaging in games, data tracking in different programs. So between just having a tool that's really flexible that a student could engage with, whether they're 10 miles away or sitting across the table, and also something that supports data tracking, supports scheduling, supports all of those pieces in one platform is really exciting to me because to me, that's sort of the ultimate inflexibility for SLPs as opposed to, you know, thinking, well, when I'm in my office, I have all my bookshelves and my crates and this is what I have to cart around to all of my sites. But if I'm doing teletherapy, I have to remember that I'm using this and to have a tool that really can just flex regardless of how you're delivering services and that modality, I think is, hmm. is pretty exciting. They're very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm sure if you get that documentation and data piece in there, that'll kind of sell it too. (laughs) Because that has to be something that therapists really, really wanted and needed, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very interesting. So is there anything else that you see in the future of teletherapy? I mean, anything else that you hear in, in the wind? Or maybe just you personally think that might work? I think we're really at the beginning of what's possible. You know, there's certainly, we have dipped our toe in some things with virtual reality, you know, working with some companies, you know, there's some, there's just some really tremendous things happening with technology and out there with special education. There's a company that has created virtual reality technology to 
support students with autism Hmm. and it's pretty incredible. And so I think we're going to see more integration of VR technology and, you know, for some students, I think increasing access, thinking about, I would love to see eye gaze embedded into our platform so that a student who is using an AAC device can directly interact with all the tools in the platform through a head switch or eye gaze or whatever it is that they do to interact. So those are all things that are discussed and talked about and, you know, brainstormed and there's just really talented and talented people and people who just care about these kids and, you know, what the services that are being delivered and making services equitable. That's really in its foundation, what teletherapy is about and how it came to be was to increase access and equity for people who did not have access to services or their services were not equitable. So there's a lot more we can do in that vein in terms of increasing equity for all students that we work with and just making it much easier for them to directly interact and have that control as opposed to having to go through a facilitator to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's great things. I, I really am excited. I think that graduate programs have some catching up to do. I think we're moving into teletherapy in, in reality, in, you know, functionality faster than kind of the academic side has caught up in terms of making it teletherapy part of curriculum. Mm -hmm. So that's also something that, you know, we really hope to partner with and have the opportunity to help build curriculum, or we will make presentations. Sometimes we'll be asked to, sometimes I'll be asked to present at a graduate class and which is great. You know, that's always fun because the students just like drink it up. Like they come out of graduate school now saying, okay, I want, this is what I want to do. So it just needs to be something that is integral into training so that people do feel that they can, regardless of the physical location of their client or a student that they're able to feel confident in how they're delivering therapy. Yeah, you have lots of, of options there. Yeah, lots of growth. Wow. Mm-hmm. You have job security. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, this has been fascinating. I think we all do as SLPs. I yeah, think, we're, I think, I think we there's do. plenty of work to go around. I think yeah. we do, don't we? Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. You know, I do have one more question. I call it the life question. And here is a question for you. What are your thoughts about the field of speech-language pathology today? So beyond what I just spoke to in terms of the, you know, specific tie to teletherapy, because I do believe that that's going to be the future of the field to an important part. I think that we all are concerned about the numbers that we're seeing perpetuating our field and having enough clinicians, new SLPs coming out of graduate programs. Of course, Another reason we exist is because of chronic shortages in schools. It's gone on for probably at least 15, 20 years now. So there's just shortages and the needs are growing there. You know, we just see students, clients who need our services. They need the supports. You know, I really am excited to see some things put out there by ASHA and some programs. And I think it's important also that we are doing everything we can to diversify the field and reach out to people in high school and colleges who may not be what's considered the kind of average speech-language pathology program student and engage with them and, you know, consider how to make their path into graduate school something that is possible. It would only strengthen our field and also our students' It would be wonderful if they were better reflected in our field, the diversity of our students and who they see helping them and working with them. So, so I'm also very excited, you know, just to see how we at Presence Learning, how we can help with that. I think as a teletherapy company, it is something that we are uniquely in a position to support is both supporting and bringing up students who are new to the field and also, you know, supporting students. So there's a lot that we want to continue in our field and things I hope improve and expand Mm -hmm. um, as Mm -hmm. the the profession of a speech language pathology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see, you know, that you've just started. You've just sort of scratched the surface. You have many other areas and things that you can do. And I do believe that it would be really exciting for a lot of young people 
and that they don't even know that that is part of speech therapy. You need to get out there and do some commercials. And, and uh, you know, Asha, I always thought Asha mm-hmm. needs to do commercials for us. You know, I've thought right. that ever since I was young, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, younger. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I'd like to see where speech therapy kind of becomes a household term. You know, a lot of people don't even know what we do. Right. You know, it's such a diverse field in terms of what you can do and the type of work you do. And there's a lot of different personalities, I think, and people who have different interest areas who can be happy in a career as an SLP and, you know, have a lot of flexibility to move between different settings. And so I agree. I think that we should should be promoting all of those wonderful things. We should. We absolutely (laughs) should. If nothing else, speech therapy provides you so many options to choose from. Mm-hmm. You know, from infant feeding to working with the little itty bitties to all the different disciplines and, and disorders that we work with and ages, or you could be a researcher, you could be a university. I mean, there's just so many options and right. I love it. <laughs> you know, I just love it. So I do too. And I never in a million years would have thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now because I knew nothing of teletherapy. So yeah, now you never you. know what's going to come up and you know where you'll end up. You never so. know, do you? You never know. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your amazing knowledge. I mean, you are one of the most knowledgeable people that I know in this field, and we're very fortunate to have you in our field as a speech pathologist, but also as somebody that really cares about teletherapy and advancing that field recruiting people. I think that you're you're a good recruiter. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate being here, Char. Thank you. And I do want to thank all of you for being here and for tuning in and for continuing to get the word out about the SpeechLink podcast, where you not only learn practical information, but you earn CEUs. And I do hope that you realize how much you are appreciated. Thank you so much for all that you do for your therapy kids. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye thrilled you tuned into the speech link. I hope it was helpful. Just leave a quick review and subscribe to be a part of a select group that receives every episode. For CEUs, go to speechtherapypd.com. And for everything else, visit charboshart.com. There's free materials, articles, books, and my blog, Therapy Matters. Thank you for all you do. See you next time.